Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Neil the rebound. Kevin Alley brings it up. Throws it across. Miller for three. Oh, he backed it in. He backed it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Over the rebound for his ninth. 18 points, 9 rebounds, 6 oh. assists from Jay. Oh, oh the chicken! Double time! Miles Turner! Yeah! Welcome to the NBA, my friend! Turner sets the screen. Oh, 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 no. oh no! Don't let him throw it down like that! Victor Oladipo! Throws it back to Oladipo. Stevenson behind, drives inside! And the foul! Lance Stevenson! And a chance for a three-point play. He just headbutted the Stanton. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Born Ready to Pod podcast. Welcome back to episode six of the Born Ready to Pod podcast. My name is Chris Cook. Sitting next to me, as always, Eric Hawk and Jake Light. Guys, we got a great show lined up today, don't we? The greatest. Couldn't be better. I think you guys are going to love it. It's been a while, so I know we've had several people come at us saying they they need some content. So I've been anxious. A yeah, bit. yeah, we're coming at you hard this week with two podcasts, and I think you guys are going to like this one. Yeah, um, so speaking on that, uh, today our interview is with Kevin Bowen from 1070 The Fan. Uh, that will appear here just shortly. But before we get into that, uh, I want you guys to rank top three who would you want to get here on the Born Ready to Pod podcast to interview? So our ultimate list, top yep, three. Top three. I mean, you can put it in an order, or you can just say top three. It doesn't have to be in any in, in particular order, but if you want to rank them, that's fine. Am I going, are we doing one at a time, or am I just saying them all? One at a time. Or no, excuse me, say them all, and then we'll move on. Okay. For me, number one has to be Adam Silver. I think it would be awesome to interview the commissioner of the NBA. I know that's probably never going to happen. But you got to shoot for the stars, and hopefully you land on the moon. <laughs> Number two for me is Victor Oladipo, along the same lengths. Uh, that would be awesome if we got Oladipo on the pod. We could ask him about everything, and maybe about his career in music, just how he talks to women, because you know that's got to be a huge thing in his life right now. And then number three, I'm going to say Mike Epps. I want to see like a hardcore celebrity fan on the Born Ready podcast. And my guarantee for this podcast is we will get Mike Epps on this at some point. <laughs> that is the Born Ready to Podcast guarantee. That's a great list. Um, my personal list, number one, I think this is pretty obvious, Kevin Bowen. That's Ooh, that's, that's a, a yeah, one. that's a shark I want to catch. Uh, put it in my boat and like just see how it you know lives. That's and a trophy fish, right? That there. is yeah. a trophy mouth. fish. Um, and uh, yeah, I think he'd be great. So we'll see if we can line that up here soon. Uh, but uh, I would also go with Kevin Pritchard. Uh, I think I'd like to hear, you know, just stories, the architect of this Pacers team, you know, just thinking some of those uh, background moves, you know, that's been made, you know, his expectations for the season and, you know, just Pacers teams of, of the past. And I think I, I'm going to change this one because I wanted to stick with all Kevins, but I think I'd like to get David Stern on here Ooh. and just, you know, the ex NBA commissioner, commissioner, just talk controversy. Um, 
I love, I love, you know, just those back alley deals that you know everyone claims goes down, went down, I guess, when when Stern was the commissioner. Just, just pick his brain and just let's see what the conspiracy theories bring us. Let's just have a weird out hour episode where we're just talking about all the conspiracy <laughs> theories that happen. Side note: We gotta start calling Kevin Pritchard the architect. Like that's strong. The architect. Yeah, the that's architect. his new nickname. Yeah. Uh, for me, I'm gonna kind of rig the system a little bit. So uh, number one, I'm doing as a team. So this only counts as one. <laughs> Since they are a team, Kristen Ari, Quinn Buckner. Ooh. Yes. The dynamic. That is... Gotta get him on here. Smother chicken. Gotta, gotta ask him. Uh, definitely gotta put Quinn on the spot about the smothered chicken saying. Uh, next up, we're going uh, Rick Smits. Mm. I think that would be a good get. He still lives in Indiana, so maybe there's a chance down the line if we ever get, you know, maybe a little more famous that he's like, I'll go yeah. on there. And then last but not least, I'm going uh, Ron Artest. Mm. Who's because Ron Artest? I'm going Ron Artest, not Metal World Peace. Okay. We would, he would probably wouldn't come on if we called him Ron Artest, but, I mean, can you imagine how crazy that would be? <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I think he would be insane. I don't even, I don't even think we go at it with questions, like a set of questions. Like, we just say, like, how are you doing? And just, like, try and just bounce stuff off of him. And nobody said Lance Stevenson, so he's yeah. going to be our con- conjoined number one. Yeah, he's... and I'm pretty sure that Artest went on to the Gritty and Big Show, Big Joe show a few years ago, and he, like, hung up on them i can't remember why but they had got him on there when he was on like the lakers or something before before the game and he, he they must have said something that made him mad i don't remember what it was but he just hung up on him in the middle of the interview so maybe we can hopefully get our sights set on that someday so right um like i said we have uh kevin bowen from the 1070 the fan and our interview with him is coming up here next People will go through their whole lives saying there's nothing to do in beautiful Kokomo, Indiana. Those people are bloody idiots. The Coterie, located on the downtown square in Kokomo, Indiana, is a fine establishment for drinks and socializing. Come to our bar and see how our bartenders are the most unique attraction to see within miles. It looks like a damn circus in there. A guy with a mustache will ask you what you want to drink. And then another guy next to him that may be on something... We'll give it to you in a timely manner. The Coterie. Trivia on Tuesday nights, half-off whiskey on Wednesdays. The weekends are a damn good time. Come to the Coterie this weekend now. All right, welcome back. This is our first official guest spot here on the Born Ready to Pod podcast. Uh, sitting in with it, not actually sitting in, but on the phone today, <laughs> we have Kevin Bowen, who is a reporter and a multimedia content producer for 1070 The Fan. Uh, he focuses on Colts and Pacers blogs and podcasts on 1070thefan.com called Kevin's Corner. So if you haven't seen that or checked it out yet, make sure you go online and check it out after listening. Uh, Kevin, uh, thanks for joining us here today. We appreciate you coming on. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, guys, and certainly honored to be your first guest. That's, it's a big uh, deal. It's, it's a big accomplishment, deal. and love the title of the podcast as well. Yeah, it. Uh, we debated on it for quite quite some time, and then of course, you know, we made it born ready to pod, and then of course, a week later, Lance leaves the Pacers. So that's kind of how things work out. So, uh, first, first off, we'll just kind of dive right into it. We don't want to waste too much of your time. Uh, you spent uh, over five years as the Colts.com beat writer, um, and you still continue to the Colts cover the Colts as well. So here's a two part question for you. Who is your favorite Colts player of all time? And then second part of that question, who was or is your favorite Colts player to cover? So number one, favorite player of all time as a fan. And then as a reporter, who has been your favorite player to cover? 
Wow, that's a great question. Both both great questions. Um, you know, growing in this area and in, in the Indianapolis area, um, I would probably say Edger and James. Yeah. Uh, my, uh, my my grandma, ironically enough, was a diehard diehard Colts fan, and she wanted to be buried in burial site number thirty two. Oh, wow, that's in insane. honor of in honor of Edge. Um, that's and, and a diehard fan. That right my there. grandma. You know, would love this guy with, you know, gold teeth and, you know, <laughs> dreadlocks straight out of Miami and, 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 and all. But just, just the way he played the game, um, you could tell he definitely did it for the love of it. And I thought he was pretty underappreciated when he was here and um, should be a Hall of Famer eventually right. one day. Um, my favorite player to cover, I guess. Oh, boy, it's a tough one. Um you know, I, I've always appreciated, you know, guys that, that, that'll be stand-up, win or loss, you know, being more, now that I'm more in kind of the journalistic-centric mode of my life. Um, I guess a combination of that and then a combination of just style of play. I'll go with Frank Gore, and I guess I'm kind of sticking with the running back position. But, um, you know, it, it's remarkable what he has done now, you know, well over the age of 30 and how, you know, when – you know, running backs get to the age of 30, it's kind of like they just slam the door shut yeah. on their careers and, and, and their ability to produce in the NFL at, you know, any sort of a level. And here's Gore, you know, going into this 2018 season, he's the only running back in the league the last three years that have rushed for at least 900 yards in each season. Mm-hmm. And he did it behind a very mediocre offensive line. Mediocre uh, yeah, the guy didn't <laughs> complain yeah, at all the last three years. He came here, thought he was going to, contending team and that certainly didn't happen yeah. and um yeah they just they don't make them like Frank Gore I mean I think we forget as well he tore his ACL I think at both knees I believe um at Miami and you know was still able to be a third round pick and uh he'll go down as one of the greatest running backs in NFL history yeah, yep, Frank absolutely. Gore an absolute beast no doubt we took bets earlier to, on which player you'd pick I think Jake said you'd oh, pick gosh. I'd pick this is Chris. I picked. Chris, Chris said you picked Frank picked Gore. Gore. I think Jake said you picked Edrin for the other one. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I loved Edrin. Really? Jake. Yeah. We we know you too well already. So, my thought. What were your other picks? Curious. My pick was Andrew Luck just because I thought you might, you probably get the most clicks from everything you write about him. So, I figured he, he pays the oh, bill. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Next question. Yeah, purely on I mean, it would be Andrew Luck, but if I'm going for interesting, and I mean, I respect Andrew Luck as a player for sure, but uh, Frank Gore is a different breed. Yeah, yeah, he's an absolute animal. Love Frank Gore here on the podcast. All right, next question. After specifically covering the Colts for most of your career, what made you want to begin covering the Pacers as well after starting with 1070? Was it just opportunity, or have you always loved the Pacers as well, and you've kind of always thought you, yourself going that direction? Well, I think it was just part of the, the, the station's mindset and how Penn State is a fan, um, their audience, you know, being located here at the ESPN affiliate in the city of Indianapolis and located right downtown on the circle, you know, Pacers and Colts. Those are the two professional sports teams that you have in the city of Indianapolis and really outside of IU basketball, maybe. You know, those are the two most dominant topics that we talk about on a daily basis on our radio station. And now what I'm in, you know, in charge of producing content for on our website. So um, it, it, that was pitched to me. You know, I, I knew full well walking in there that I would probably have some, if not, 
you know, all of daily responsibility Pacers coverage. And uh, I was welcome to that challenge. You know, the NBA is always a league that I have followed. Um, you know, it definitely works out really well. The Pacers had a surprise season. And the fans that might have had, you know, a tough fall and winter cheering for the Colts, their, their, their spirits were brought back to life, surprisingly, by what the Pacers did this past season. So it was definitely hectic at times, especially during when you're balancing playoffs and, and you know, Pacers playoffs and NFL draft, and even November, December when the Colts are still, and even January, I guess, and into February when the head coaching situation was so chaotic. Um, you know, that was a tough balance, but um, the Pacers were a welcome and kind of a refreshing beat to be on. You know, I think NBA guys in general are just uh, a little bit more candid. I think the league is um, just a little bit more free in terms of what guys say, coaches, players in the locker room. I think the NFL at times can be just a little bit too, like, CIA-ish in thinking that if they say the littlest thing, it's going to, you know – start DEFCON or something like that. So um, it, it, it was refreshing to be able to uh, be in an NBA locker room and, and just kind of see how those players interact with the media and interact with their fans as well. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, yeah, kind of going now more geared toward our Pacers, guys, um, and our Pacer questions. Um, obviously, after trading their franchise player last summer, Paul George, uh, it, it seemed like Pacer fans had some low expectations for the season th- this past year. Were you shocked at all by what we've seen from that team um, besides the obvious answer of Victor Oladipo taking the next step? Like, what other factors do you think led them to finish well above expectations? I mean, you had a firsthand kind of glimpse into that locker room. So what are, what are some things other than Oladipo that you think pushed the Pacers uh, kind of over the top of our expectations? Well, I think it definitely starts with him and just the culture that he creates at all. You know, I know it's something that Kevin Pritchard and Nate McMillan harp on a lot, but Victor Oladipo, he's, he's a little bit like Frank Gore in that these guys are rare breeds. Like, Oladipo's work ethic is sets the bar to a standard where if you don't meet it, you know, not only are you letting down yourself, but you're letting down the best player on your team. Yeah. And I think that impacts a locker room big time. And I think Victor's been really honest with how just awful he played in that Houston series, his last games in an Oklahoma City uniform. That playoff series, Oklahoma City lost in five. Oladipo shot at like 30-some percent from the field, 20-some percent from three. Um, he was terrible in their three losses in Houston. And so before the Pacers even thought about trading for him in, in, in late June, you know, Oladipo had had two months of this mindset of, if I don't do something now, my career could be potentially over. Yeah. in a couple of years, or at least be definitely labeled as a bust considering you're a number two pick. So, um, it, yeah, you know, it, it starts with all the depot, but at the same time, I think you have to credit Kevin Pritchard and Nate McMillan, Pritchard for finding the right guys to put around all the depot and, you know, projecting guys into your own system, you know, thinking Devonta Sabonis was playing a little bit out of position in Oklahoma city. And now if he plays a little bit more of a five, he can develop here. Yeah. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, you know, could he be more of a second or third option if you give him a chance in the starting lineup? Uh, you know, Darren Collison coming back here and a little bit of a two-headed monster at the point guard position. So, you know, I was still shocked. I mean, I I think I predicted, what was the Vegas over-under? It was like 30 and a half, 31 yeah, and a half. Maybe a like couple, couple over that. But, yeah, I think – like yeah. like others, nobody really, not even the biggest Pacers fans of them all would have said that they expected no. what happened last year. 
and Kevin Pritchard's been honest about it, that no one in that building really yeah. even thought that, you know, he, you know, he had the conversation with Herb Simon about, you know, his tanking is getting younger. Is that an option do you want to explore? And I think I said like 36-ish wins, which I was probably on the high end yeah. for a lot of people. At least I know a lot of people in the um, in the media market that cover that team on a daily basis. And then, you know, sure enough, they go out there and rattle off you know, 48, and they're able to, you know, they're 0-8 when Oladipo wasn't on the floor. So they couldn't even have been a lot, lot better. But, I, you know, people would be lying to you if they thought, you know, Darren Collison would have a career year and lead the league in three-point percentage and assist the turnover ratio, and Bogdanovich would blossom into, you know, a, a nice supporting cast member in your starting lineup. And um, the bonus would obviously um, exceed what he did at that first year down there in Oklahoma City. Yep. So uh, building off kind of that momentum from last year, uh, so this offseason, we've talked about it a lot in our previous episodes um, they've added. They made several moves to start off. Uh, most notably, uh, Doug McDermott. They signed him. Signed him the first night of free agency. Then they went out and got Tyreek Evans, uh, Kylo Quinn, and then obviously the two rookies in the draft, Holiday and Johnson. Um, and while at most they lost Lance Stevenson. Um, so, do you think that they added enough to take that next step in the East this upcoming season? And if you don't view them as a top one or two seed, what teams in particular would you rank ahead of them in the Eastern Conference as of right now? Well, I, I do think they've done enough to uh, be the favorite in the Central Division. Um, secure, in my mind right now, I look at them as the three seed. I, I'm very high on Boston, and I know that there is some yeah. health questions, of course, with their two, their two, you know, bona fide stars. But uh, you know, if Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward are, are, are healthy, I honestly think that's a team that could give Golden State a somewhat competitive series in the NBA Finals. Yeah. Um, when when you look at Philly, I think they they made some very important moves in the offseason that didn't garner a lot of headlines. I thought it was vital they brought back J.J. Reddick. And I thought it was really important that um, they were able to go out and get a guy like Wilson Chandler, who continues to stretch the floor, and that's so important. And, and they're just, they're still really young. You know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not sitting here saying I think Joel Embiid is going to be an all-NBA first-teamer for the next five years, or Ben Simmons is going to find a jump shot or whatever, but they have they have a feeling that is much higher than other teams. It's like Markel Fultz gave them nothing. Yeah. What if he finds something? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Dario Saric was a top 10 pick. Well, what if he continues to take a step forward? So I think Boston and Philly, in my mind, are the one and two in the Eastern Conference. But I, I would put Indiana above Toronto, above Washington, above Milwaukee, you know, Miami, whoever else you want to throw in the mix. Um, but yeah, I, I think the addition of Tyreek Evans was absolutely paramount to that second unit. You needed a catalyst. You needed a guy. You know, we we all love the Cavs series that the double teams and the blitzing of those pick and rolls with Victor Oladipo, the Pacers looked a little lost that was without so frustrating, him being that yeah. individual creator. And now you have a guy in Evans that can not only be a six man type of role with that with unit. But when playoffs arise and late game situations do arise, you can throw him out there with that starting lineup, and he can be a guy that can go get you a bucket. 
Awesome. Yeah. Going back, I've, I've read a couple of obviously your blogs and I've listened to your podcast where you talked about Tyreek Evans. Uh, in your opinion is he's, he's probably going to solidify that second unit. Do you think playing game, I mean, he's obviously going to be one of the Pacers better offensive weapons. Uh, he can just do a lot with the ball. Um, do you think down the stretch in games that they'll re- rely on Tyreek Evans in crunch time? How do you see his role kind of going forward this year, especially since he's only on a one year contract? Yeah, I think David Cavillon's going to be really, really open to him finishing out games. Um, and I thought David Cavillon did a really nice job this past year of, okay, Corey Joseph is the hot hand, let's ride him down the stretch. The bonus is the hot hand, let's ride him. Same thing with Lance. You know, all three of those guys closed out games, um, probably several games, to be honest with you, over the course of the 82-game season. And I think Evans will be the most frequent option you know, in that second unit to be the guy, final five minutes that you throw him out there. You know, I, I think a lineup that's kind of intriguing to me is a Turner, Bogdanovich, Evans, Oladipo, Collison. I mean, you talk about spreading the floor with Collison, Bogdanovich, and Turner, and then two drivers and Evans and Victor. Yeah, you're a little small. You're going to give up some rebounding on the other end without Thaddeus out there, but um, that is a nice red look that I felt like the Pacers didn't have last year um, that, that that they could turn to. So I think it's huge that Evans is coming off the bench, though. I can't stress that enough early in games because Doug McDermott and TJ Leaf, let's say McDermott is your start, is your backup at, at the three, which I think we all expect. And right now, I think the only thing up in the air at that second unit is what you do at the fourth position. Do you yeah. go Leaf? Or do you go Kylo Quinn, or do you just go, uh, let's play nine guys and we'll figure out you know, who that backup four is. Maybe it's a bonus. You know, maybe, maybe you go a little smaller. Uh, you, you can kind of manipulate some lineups there. But I think with that second unit, if it is going to be Leaf and McDermott, you have to have Evans with that bench crew because McDermott and Leaf are catch and shoot. Yeah. That's it. That's what they're going to do. I I said this stat before on the podcast. I think all of McDermott's 92 three-pointers last year were assisted. Like, this is a guy that's not going to create off the dribble. He can still be a really potent player for you, but Evans has got to initiate that. Mm -hmm. And Corey Joseph just isn't the dynamic driver that you think of as, you know, maybe a a high-level point guard. He's just not that, and neither is Collison. So you need some other guys to do that for you. So. I think Evans, with that second unit, um, is, is, is the way to go. But at the same time, you can have him close out games. You just got to figure out how his minutes are going to go there, kind of late third quarter, early fourth quarter. Yeah, you kind of alluded to one of the big questions I think the Pacers are going to have to answer. Um, you know, when they signed Kylo Quinn, I guess I just expected him to be kind of a plug-and-play at that four spot. Um, I know he's pretty much played the five with New York and in Orlando, but obviously with Sabonis in the fold, Sabonis is going to get that playing time at the five. Um, he was just really good last year. I thought last year our second unit, we lacked um, rebounding, and I thought Kylo Quinn was a perfect fit. And it really surprised me when they came out and said that Kylo Quinn was kind of their fifth big. So, I mean, to me, that tells me that going into the season, they view TJ Leaf as the fourth big. So how do you see that playing out? Because I know... Leaf is kind of a hot topic right now. He had a rough first summer league game, which we'll talk about later. But um, how do you see that kind of playing out, especially in the preseason and early on in the season this year? Yeah, you know, I I think that's going to be a great debate. It's something that 
I know the Pacers really, really, really want T.J. Leaf to be the backup for, like, obviously just from the organization's sake, you want your first-round pick to develop. But I think also for a playing style's sake, like, they want a stretch four. They want to have Evans with open driving lanes with that second unit. If you put Kyle O'Quinn out there, that is not a great lineup for spacing on the offensive end of the floor. Yeah, exactly. the bonus can pick and pop a little bit, but you know, the bonus can still do some pretty good damage with his back to the basket. So you don't want to clog up that space, I think, with O'Quinn and the bonus. Now, having said that, TJ Leaf might not give you a choice. I mean, I, I, I watched the same summer league you guys did, and I see a guy that just doesn't do much outside of catch and shoot. And he didn't really do that very well in Vegas, but. You know, there are a couple of drives, but he still looks slow to me and just doesn't really finish through contact. And um, I just didn't see a lot out of him in Vegas. All of a sudden, make me think, yep, boom, definite rotational player. I know the Pacers want him to be that, but I'm not ready to say that just yet. Uh, but the nice thing is Kyle Quinn does give you an, an, an option. And I know the fifth big is kind of a the term that you don't really see him in a, in a night-in, night-out game plan over an 82-game season, but... He's going to play, I think, over the course of a bad deep of race or season. There's going to be nights maybe when you're playing Detroit and it's Griffin and Drummond and you need mm-hmm. a little bit more of bruising ability in that lineup. O'Quinn's going to be that guy. You know, we saw Turner and Sabonis, Turner more so than Domas, but both of them banged up a little bit yeah. last year as well. So um, right now, question that we'll see here in a couple months when training camp starts, it's, okay, how do you handle that backup four? To me, I think what makes the most sense is spacing the floor as much as possible. But I'm no idiot. TJ Leaf doesn't look ready, ready to me just yet. And Kyle Quinn's a guy that has proven himself as a rebounder. He's just outside of about 15 feet and do anything for you on the offensive end. Uh, touching on Leaf, we're going to transition here a little more summer league talk. Um, what were some of your takeaways from the Pacers' five summer league games? And uh, do you think any of these guys can have an impact next season? Personally, I think Alizé Johnson looked like an absolute, like, very raw product that could be potentially great in the future. And Holiday, we know, can play a little bit. We saw some, uh, maybe a few mistakes here and there. And then I think Edmund Sumner, he could definitely benefit from a year with the Mad Ants. And I would have loved to see EK play, or my takeaways. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I pretty much agree with everything that you said. We kind of touched on Leaf again. I just didn't see enough. I didn't see as much as I think you should see from a guy that spent a year in the NBA. Yeah, or at least spent a year outside of college basketball. But, you know, Holiday, I love that he didn't back down from a Colin Sexton or a Trey Young. I thought the decision-making needs to get better. And that was the, probably the biggest con of him coming out of UCLA. You know, he was top 10, at I guess bottom 10 turnover ratio. Um, and part of that's just because UCLA asked him to do a lot last year on the ball and be your lead scorer. But yeah. you know, he's a little sloppy with the decision making, but he shot it well in that first game. I mean, he looks like a guy to me that you know I think can turn into a starting point guard. He's got the pedigree um, too. I, I think it would. Yeah, I, I, you know, he finishes with both hands, which you like for a guy that's only you know six foot, maybe six one on a good day. You see the length <laughs> on the, on the defensive end of the floor. Um, I don't know where he fits in the rotation. I think um, you could use him, especially off the ball. You know, he did that very well sophomore year with Lonzo Ball there at UCLA. But you're kind of getting to a log jam where it's like, yeah, Joe Young played a few minutes here or there over the course of the regular season. But, you 
But yeah, I think it's something where maybe he's your emergency point guard, and if you can get him some minutes in Fort Wayne, that might be good for him just to let him run an offense, you know, for 30-some minutes, because I just don't see him doing that in the NBA just yet. I, I feel like Collison, let's not forget, this guy led the NBA in assist turnover ratio last year. Mm-hmm. Like, to be a starting point guard in the league, you've got to be able to handle the rock, and Holiday didn't do a great job of that out in Vegas. Um Johnson, I love. He just finds the ball. Yeah. Um, what do you have? Like eight or nine rebounds, and he only played 23 minutes a game, I think it was. I yeah. mean, he, he, and he's not some freak, freak athlete, but he just has that knack of finding the ball, extending possessions, creating new possessions. He has to work on that jump shot. That thing is just atrocious looking. Um, and it, you know, Pacers want to get that stretch four. So, I say you put him in Fort Wayne for a year. You try to work on his half court offense outside of just kind of finding the ball in that little bit of kind of put the head down with the right hand and, and throw up a little bit of a hook shot. Um, he, he's a unique guy in that he can handle it pretty well. You know, for being six nine, he benefits from the Anthony Davis effect of you know being a guard going into high school and then growing you know into this big man. So. Um, Johnson's got some, he's got some clay there that, that, that you can definitely mold. Then he just brings the traits that this team doesn't have, and that's a 10 under. So the nice thing is the Pacers don't need any of these guys right away. They don't need Johnson right away. Yeah. They don't need Holiday right away. So I think you got to use Fort Wayne to your advantage. And then next year, you got six or seven big time free agents. You know, these guys could be playing some huge, huge roles. And some are the same thing. Put them in Fort Wayne, let them run the show. Um, that, 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 that shot's not the prettiest thing, but it went in in <laughs> Vegas. Um, I, I just think he needs a full year on that healthy knee. And then next year when Holiday, you know, it would be Holiday and him, I guess, would be your only guys under contract, potentially with Corey Joseph and Darren Collison, both in uh, contract years. Yeah, that's kind of what I was going to ask you. Let's say now let's fast forward a couple months into the season and the Pacers decide they want to give Holiday a chance in the second unit. Uh, it's probably a little bit far-fetched at this point, but with injuries, you know, things happen. Um, with, with that logjam of Tyreek Evans, uh, Kojo, and um, and Collison, would it be – would it be feasible to expect maybe a transaction to happen maybe around the trade deadline if if they want to open up some playing time for Holiday? Probably it would have to probably be Kojo because of the contract situation. I don't think we'd be moving Collison at this point. Could you see something like that happen, or do you think the Pacers are fine kind of just letting Holiday get minutes here and there and then play in Fort Wayne? I think they're fine with with the latter, I, I think they look at this as a passing of the torch. Okay. And they really like Corey Joseph. And I think Corey Joseph gives you something defensively that what do the Pacers lack right now? They lack kind of that two to three position defender. And Joseph had to do a little bit of that last year. And I don't think the Pacers made upgrades there at all. I don't think Tyreek Evans is going to be a great defender for you. I don't think Doug McDermott's going to defend at a high level either on the ball. So, that's why I think Corey Joseph is necessary. So I'd be really surprised. I know on paper it looks like a log jam, and it is a bit of a log jam. But when you start looking at contracts and what could you actually get in trading Corey Joseph, I don't think you'd get much. Um, so I, I, I don't think that would happen unless Holiday just blows you out of the water. But I go back to, you know, what is going to get Aaron Holiday on the court in the NBA? It's going to be take care of the ball. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I think you've got to show that in Fort Wayne for a year before you give them the keys to potentially being your being your starting point guard. Okay, that's uh, we next question from your time covering the Pacers and the Colts. What has been the coolest moment that you have been able to experience? It's either for me if I if I had to guess what you're going to say, it would probably be the Colts Chiefs playoffs game, or maybe there was a game or series last year that stood out to you. Wow, yeah, those are both of those individual games. Those stand out to me. Um, that game is just unlike anything I've ever seen. Amazing. Game. Um, the playoff series last year was what was just a joy to cover. Um, I appreciate Ron's candidness and um, you know, and we kind of covering him for the first time over the course of I guess. You know, five playoff, five home playoff, or five home games that LeBron played against Indiana last year at Bankers Life. Um, I would say cool experiences is definitely going to London with the Colts a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. um, just seeing how um, you know people over in England and the UK embrace American football. Um, it was pretty impressive to see all the attention that a regular season game against the Jaguars got. We sometimes like, take for granted a one o'clock game yeah, yeah. against an AFC South opponent. But um, that was really cool to be in Wembley Stadium and own the history um, in, in that stadium. Uh, at Denver, the Colts won their divisional playoff game uh, the year after they that they beat the Chiefs. That was pretty cool. That the, was a, yeah. uh, probably the loudest stadium I've been in, either that or Seattle. Um yeah, that was obviously beating Peyton Manning on the road in the playoffs. I think that is easily the biggest win in the Chuck Pagano era. So yeah. those are some things that stand out. I mean, hey, on, on, on a much lighter note, I mean, watching Lance Stevenson night in and night out, I mean, you talk about entertainment value. I mean, it, it that man made it going to Baker's life enjoyable on a Tuesday night against the Kings in December. <laughs> it's going to be like sorely that. missed. So I will uh, – yeah, I, yeah. Kudos to you guys naming the name the podcast. What you did, but I will I will miss the the antics of uh, of old Lancey Slickland, who likes to call him. And uh, yeah, those are some things that uh, that stand out to me over covering Colton Pacers. All right, so uh, we're gonna wrap up some of those uh, sports questions that we had for you, um, and we're gonna finish it up here with a few uh, few questions that aren't really sports related, but we uh, had some questions that we were interested in getting answers from you for, so we're going to go and ask them. Uh, so first question, your LinkedIn page says that you have over 17,500 followers on Twitter, when in reality you are now over 18,700. So our question is, when is the last time you updated your LinkedIn page? God, it's, it's obviously been a little bit of time. I feel I, I don't know like what the ratio of gained followers over time. I, I just lost 200, I know, a couple days ago because of all the Twitter bots that were out there. The purge. I saw some, some, some famous people lost a ton, but I lost a couple hundred. So it's been a while, but as you say that, I'm logging into my LinkedIn page, I guess. <laughs> and it's time to... Uh, Dust off that digital resume, so so thank you for that. Uh, go on later and fact there. check that to make sure you update that, so we can update our listeners. <laughs> okay, uh, this has been the most beneficial podcast of <laughs> You're welcome. ever appeared on after. <laughs> Feel that information. So right. Thank you, guys. No problem. All right. And so, again, on a lighter note, um, on Twitter, do you ever get mistaken for the former Redskin offensive lineman Kevin Bowen? 
Like, does, does anybody ever try to come at you? Because I know it's a little different, but does anybody ever come at you with, you know, Kevin Bowen, Redskin takes? Uh, you know, no one has directly come after me about those. When he's been cut, and I think he was cut recently. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I had people, I had people mention that. Um, you know, yeah. Stay, you know, whatever. Keep grinding. You know, blah blah blah. All those, you know, hashtags that you see for players. I know Kevin Bowen is absolutely massive. Right. He's like six nine, like nearly three hundred pounds or nearly three hundred fifty pounds. And I don't know if he's ever played in the NFL, so. I assure you that, um, and I, I think he's black as well. So he, he hopefully is. fans won't won't mistake me um, for him. But I'm sure if he gets into a game and you know Alex Smith gets run over <laughs> wherever he is nowadays, um, you know maybe uh, they will come after Cabo in 1070. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we were trying to do some research, so we like looked up uh, you know photos Kevin Bowens liked. I don't think you were liking the same pictures as he was. So I will just tell you, if you want some background information, you can check that out. But we won't go too deep into that in this podcast. But, yeah, it was pretty funny trying to get information, you know, on you and then trying to see. You know, we just kept getting Redskins, Kevin Bowen stuff pop up. So if, you, if you're ever interested and you're ever bored, check that out, photos that you might have liked. Oh gosh, I can I can only imagine what uh, what Kevin Bowen's like for. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that my fiance probably wouldn't like the pictures that Kevin Bowen, yeah, the don't, Redskins player, is yeah, is she, liking. Don't let her, yeah, yeah, don't let her check that out <laughs> if she's close to you. Just check that out on your own. Definitely keep that away from her. Yeah, I think we're kind of on to you, Kevin. We, I think that you're a machine. That's my theory because we looked up a lot of things for this interview prep. And all it was was nothing but sports, just over and over and over. Your love for sports is incredible. So you, putting out all this content every day, like, are you a machine, plain and simple? <laughs> I am not. No, I, I, I am very um, lucky and fortunate to do a job that I absolutely love. You know, I mentioned earlier growing up in the Indianapolis area, um, it's you know been a huge passion of mine, These both these professional sports franchises. And now, you know, being able to produce content for um, – you know, a, a, a tremendous radio um, station and ESPN affiliate is something that I don't take for granted. And, you know, I, I'm doing what, and I know there is kind of a 24-hour news cycle, um, but I still get some time to spend on the golf course and spend with friends and kind of busy planning a wedding now and stuff like that. So I'm for, for freedom, um, but you can't get fully, fully away from it. Um, I, I probably should do a little bit better job of it, but no, I appreciate time, it. It's part of my job, and uh, when it's three a.m. and I need some stuff to look at, in there. that category, then you know I'd be losing some followers. Kevin, you mentioned real quick last thing. You mentioned that you were kind of preparing, you know, a wedding and kind of making, you know, some adjustments to that. So I'm also getting married next summer. So are you like me and just kind of telling your fiance, Hey, you do what you got to do. And like, I'm not going to get in your way. Or are you like trying to do some sort of planning with that? You know, I'm, I'm trying to be a good supportive. Yes. Fiance, I guess. That's a great, which is a very fine line of being not too overly involved. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to like show up on the day of the wedding and be like, wait, what? This is where we're getting married? Like, you know, <laughs> like stuff like that. So, um, she has been, uh, she, she's been tremendous throughout the whole process. Has not been, uh, too stressed or anything. We got most of the big stuff out of the way. So, um, yeah, it is, it, it is a delicate balance of knowing when to like put your input in there. 
and when not to, but she definitely asked my my opinion, but I would say more so than not, I'm kind of like, if you like it, I like it, and just shut up and keep on moving on. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, buddy. I, li- I like that answer. Now that we have your phone number, is it okay if we just text you <laughs> anytime during the day and ask you for like information on the Colts or Pacers? Is that cool? <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? I'll you to Don't agree to that. Do not agree to that. Constantly do that. All right. Say well, again. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Do you guys, do you guys have, have something to say? I think we we're just going to wrap it up, actually. But we'd love to have you on for longer. we got nothing to do. Yeah. We're just sitting here talking to a guy that loves sports like we do. So if you have something else, let's go for it. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, if you guys want to want to chat for a few, few more minutes, I'd be, I'd be happy to. All right. I'll just I'll throw a question right off. So if you had to pick all-time favorite Pacers team, uh, which, which Pacers team would you pick? And why? Uh, boy, um, yeah, I guess it's hard to pick against that 2000 team. Um, just the level that, that they got to that obviously this city is, has never seen. You know, it's kind of crazy or the state, I guess, never seen in the NBA level. You know, it's amazing to me how Pacers have kind of defined that, that the, the middling sort of upper echelon, I guess, in the NBA since I've been alive. I mean, since I... I was born in 89. They have not drafted in the top nine since I've been born. Ooh. Now, they've only made one NBA final. So it's one of those things where uh, they haven't been great, 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 but they haven't been awful by any means. So I would say that that uh, 2000 team, you know, that was still, I think, when uh, the state of Indiana was mostly, and the city of Indianapolis certainly was mostly a basketball state. And now you could probably debate that. Um, but yeah, that, that team definitely stands out. That's one thing I've always appreciated as a fan is that we haven't, we've never really tanked. We've never gone for the tank. Sometimes the tank doesn't work. You know, the tank is a good idea in theory, but we're always competitive. We're always around. And as a delusional fan, I always think we're just one step or one shot away from the finals. And (laughs) I'll probably think that next year as well. That's not delusional. That's, that's the definition of a fan, so I have, trust me, I'm a diehard Notre Dame basketball and football fan. I always think that, it would, hell, I probably think that we're one play, let <laughs> yeah, alone one one player, I guess. But um, The Alabama yeah, championship I mean, that's, game must have hurt. That's a kind of, you know, Kevin Pritchard and uh, Herb Simon probably had that conversation last year of just saying to themselves, okay, is this the time that, you know, it is. Time to look in the mirror and think to ourselves, okay, is tanking the best option? Um, and I think it ended up being the right decision. And kudos to Kevin Pritchard for pulling the trigger and his staff of being sold on Demonte Sabonis and Victor Oladipo and thinking that, okay, just because they did not live up to expectations of Oklahoma City, that's a bit of an outlier play in next to Russell Westbrook. So, uh, yeah, I would, I would say that, uh, the delusional fan aspect is not delusional. It's just pure fandom. And the Pacers, in my mind, are, you know, maybe a, a, a player away from, you know, being a NBA Finals type of team. Yeah, okay. So I, I, I'm completely the same way. I'm just – I'm always, like, last year I, I just kept – we went to game seven in Cleveland. 
Like we were in, we were in Cleveland. Oh my! And so yeah. here's what I'm going to tell you. you. Guys are crazy. We we are crazy. So we got there. Of course, it, it was on a Sunday. So we got to Cleveland at like 10 a.m. on a Sunday, just ready to have a great time. And we quickly quickly realized that there's not a lot to do in Cleveland on a Sunday. Um, but that's okay. We actually went to the casino, and so we were just talking to people. And of course, everyone there they were Cavs fans, and. They tried to tell us that LeBron James does not complain to the officials. So, so what is your comment on that? Because literally, I feel like, you know, we've been to games where LeBron's obviously been on the court versus the Pacers, and he just talks to the referees constantly. So, like, I mean, that level of delusion that fans have, can you literally believe that Cavs fans just are like, yeah, LeBron doesn't complain to the officials. In fact, he doesn't get calls, no, I think. No. Yeah, that is delusion that is finest. <laughs> yeah, I have no words for that. I, I, you know, I, I do appreciate LeBron James, and and I don't think at times, you know, we we maybe forget a little bit just how much hype this kid had coming out of high school. He was on the front cover of Sports Illustrated as I'm pretty sure a junior. Yeah. Um, and, and it is pretty impressive what he's done in his NBA career, but the guy just. Bitches and moans <laughs> yes. so much. I'm so and glad he's out of the East. It's an NBA problem. It, it's honestly an NBA problem. You know, I mean, there are stars around the league do it constantly. And I guess the only saving grace is I just finished watching a month of the World Cup and I've never seen, I didn't think people could complain that much in sports. But sure enough, those guys playing soccer complain and somehow find the ref even when the ball's being kicked the other way and just. They chase after him when the ref starts running up and down the pitch. So, um, LeBron James is a huge complainer. That is honestly the only negative I have about him. You know, I think his decision is a little bit overblown. And, yes, he probably handled it maybe in the way that he didn't want to. I'm talking the first decision down in Miami. Yeah. But it did still raise a couple million for, for charity. But, yeah, uh, Cleveland fans, boy, um, I guess they were just trying to talk themselves off the ledge before <laughs> – LeBron ended up leaving their city for a second time here just a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, that was a rough drive back after that game, for <laughs> sure. He's, a, he's the perfect yeah, villain. I though. can imagine. How much How much were those tickets? We actually got some nosebleed seats, <laughs> and I think we spent like 50 a person. Yeah, it was just 50. Which wasn't terrible. No. Okay. So I had went, not bad. Yeah, yeah. I, had, I had went to game six, and that game six was absolutely <laughs> one of the best games I had ever been to. I mean, it was so electric in Banker's life. And then so towards the end of the game, he had texted me and said, let's go to game seven. I thought it was a joke at first, but then he's like, no, seriously, let's go. So we bought tickets that night. We drove there Sunday, got back late, and we had to work the next day, but it was worth it. I mean, it was a good experience. Obviously, you want a better outcome, but it was it was worth it. It was a cool time. Good for you guys. I, I respect that passion is on. That's, that's awesome. Yep. All right, last question. Again, this is a hypothetical. This is something that just occurred in my brain, and I always think about it. So – Lance Stevenson, just we love him. Obviously, I think everything I've read and heard from you, you love the experience of having him on the team as well. So here's my pitch. Here's my pitch in my brain. This is what I want to see. I want to see Lance Stevenson 
versus Ron Artest, just one-on-one, <laughs> I think it would sell out Banker's Life Fieldhouse, and I legitimately think any outcome in the world is possible. I don't know. There could be a fight. <laughs> there could be there could be a dance-off. A I rap, don't know. rap battle. A rap battle just taking place. Like, what do you think would happen if you had two guys like that just one-on-one? Like, what, what would you even expect? Uh, I... I have no Hollywood would laugh at that potential script that you could have with those two to getting getting together on the court. Well, I don't care if the game was at four AM on a Sunday night, I'd be there. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, that 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 might blow that roof off of Bankers Light Field out or at least shatter the glass of that of that window there, um, opposite the benches. So yes, I, I that would be must-see TV. That'd be reality TV at its finest. So Lance and Metal World Peace, Ron Artest, maybe a shot of Hennessy before the game starts <laughs> or, you know, after every basket or something to yes. really get things going. <laughs> now we got to get up. This is great. Yeah, I think the more hypotheticals we throw out there, I think the, we could make this thing into it. Actually, into yeah, I think fast. we got one last, 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 last question. question. One, one last question, we promise. <laughs> All right, so we kind of hear, I think we might have seen it on Twitter or maybe one of us said it. We said it. We said it that uh, Lance will definitely be the future MVP of the Big Three League at some point. So if you had to pick a Big Three <laughs> team for Lance Stevenson, who would you put on Lance's Big Three team? Oh, boy. Wow, you guys are putting me on the spot there. Um. Lance would obviously have to dominate yeah. the ball, so I probably don't need a point guard. Um, oh boy, I would want um, I want a little beef. Uh, give me like uh, big, big baby Davis. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and big then, baby Davis. Big baby Davis. Um, I said Larry Bird. And I, and I feel like I that mean, just makes too much sense. Larry Bird's on Lance's big three team as well. And, well, I, I, I could get behind that. I was just going to say, you need a shooter. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, give me, yeah, give me Larry Bird. <laughs> that team so isn't maybe, losing maybe a game. Maybe former Pacer, Sarunas Yesikevich. Oh, oh, my God. Oh. I, I had a Sarunas Yesikevich jersey, and I need to get that autograph before I have to burn it. Now, now Kevin hates us. <laughs> you only overpaid for that jersey by like a hundred million dollars. I saw that he interviewed for the uh, for the Raptors job. Yeah, really. He's like a coach. Uh, he's a coach over in Europe or something. So I'm... we might see him back stateside in the NBA someday on the uh, on the sidelines. But man, his NBA career was sure is a bust. Oh yeah, yeah. I was the dumb guy that like bought the thirty six year old rookies. Jersey, thinking he was going to be a star. So he's just... the dumb. Don't want to fool you. He's the dumb guy who buys any international player's jersey, <laughs> thinking he's going to work out for the Pacers. Hey, as long as you got Dirk, or well, I guess Pacers wise, then no, because there hasn't been. I think Boyan, I guess, was probably the closest thing to an international player that Rick Smith's not included that actually worked out. Yeah. So, you guys got any more questions? That's I, it. Know I think I'm last good. Question. Okay. Thanks a lot, Kevin. So, Kevin, yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, he is the reporter, multimedia content producer for uh, 1070 The Fan. Make sure you go to 1070thefan.com, check out his blog and podcast called Kevin's Corner. Kevin, we appreciate you coming on today, being our first official guest on the podcast. This could be history that we made today for sure. I know. I love it. <laughs> Happy to join you guys, and uh, you guys have some great, great questions. So good luck. Yep. Thank thanks you. a lot, Kevin. So the 
hottest sports takes in Indianapolis media. Are you looking for a guy that can talk both NBA and NFL? The takes so hot, Dan Dockett sweats. Are you looking for a guy that can do podcasts and vlogs at the same time? The hard-hitting questions others refuse to ask. If you are looking for these things, look no further than Kevin Bowen. Kevin's Corner! Corner! View today. The official podcast of Kevin Bowen. Alright, so uh, that wraps up our interview with Kevin, our first interview here on the podcast, guys. Uh, how do you guys think that went? went today with uh with kevin that was an awesome interview kevin is a little machine like we said in the interview that man grinds 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 sports you just wind him up and watch him go it was awesome we learned so much i feel like i love kevin bowen yeah bowen was awesome man i i loved him i think um at the beginning you know when we were kind of just talking about what we were planning to do with the interview i think we kind of said hey we're, we're gonna keep this to like 20 minutes and you know, after like the first three or four questions, I think he was digging the questions and we we're just dudes talking Pacers and Colts. Um, and, and he was just like, let's just keep going. Let's yeah, just credit go. to us. I, I think know, we yeah. did a great job. Yeah, I, For our first kind of go around, you know, we couldn't have had a better guest, somebody just willing to open up. And I thought, I thought Bowen was amazing. It yeah. was awesome. Definitely sets the precedent going forward for future guests, for sure. Yeah. Are we a Kevin and Bowen fan? We would love, now? we would love for him to come back before, on. Yeah. We'd love for him to come back on, wouldn't we? You think he's listening? You think he listens to this? Maybe I don't know. Hopefully, maybe he listens to some of our other stuff and then he steals our takes <laughs> and writes about them. Which you're allowed. Go ahead, Kevin. I don't care. Yes, I think uh, I think you know when we were in the meat and potatoes of the interview, you know, he, like you said, he was like a machine. Like he was just able to spew out some facts. It was pretty cool. Some statistics. And then I think as we like progressed more to our style of fun interview questions, he was feeling it a little bit. Like he liked the hypothetical Lance and our test. You had a couple great questions. I I mean, it was, it was just awesome. It was a great experience. And I, and I I think he loved it. Yep. So we definitely invite him back on if he ever is willing to do so. We need to start a nickname for him. C3B Bowen is what I was thinking. C3P Bowen? Uh, Yeah. C3B Bowen. I don't know. Something. something, C3B Owen. Yeah. Something that just hammers home the fact that he's a literal machine. Yeah. Something like that. C3 Bowen. Well, I looked up words that rhymed with Bowen and there's, there's a scraping of the bottom of the barrel. There's nothing that was good. So, yeah, so C3B Bowen was the only thing that came to mind. What and that's about not even good. C3B Owen. See, like that's Owen. better. There you go. So our two challenges to Kevin after this. Number one, thank you for coming on. Other ones, uh, please come back on if you're willing. And number two, follow us on Twitter, Kevin. At least, a re- at least throw us a pity retweet. Yeah, <laughs> for God's sakes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, highs and lows of the interview. For me, my low was I stumbled on a question. <laughs> I was going to ask him to just disregard free agents or uh, summer league, and then I realized the next question I was supposed to ask had to do with summer league. So that's where my, that's on me. And then my high for the interview is when he talked about Lance and Metal World Peace taking shots at Hennessy for their I really their think one-on-one. about my low was starting off the interview saying he's sitting here with us, and then he was on the phone. <laughs> Major screw up. Yeah, yeah. I think, definitely not as bad the one day where I didn't press or I didn't have the recorder yeah, plugged that was in. Worse. So. Yeah, definitely my low point was probably when I it, the the question was simple: What is your favorite Pacers team of all time? <laughs> and I totally didn't ask the question, and we had to come back to it with Chris later. So that was a definite um, definite screw up by me. Yep. And definitely the high of the episode when he just candidly threw out 
um, a couple curse words, and it was just like dudes talking. Like dudes being the dudes. only thing that we were missing were just like some brews, like just sitting around a campfire or something. You no, know, it would be talking. cool if one day Kevin joined us at the Coterie for a live show. Ooh, ooh, goals. Where goals. this this will be posted before that show. So if you are listening, we are recording live at the Coterie in Kokomo, Indiana. Twenty one plus only. Sorry, kiddos that listen to the podcast. Uh, one day we will record live at Chuck E. Cheese for you all, but uh, we will be at the Coterie tomorrow starting at 8 p.m., so we're going to go there and set up, and hopefully, you know, we can get some random people um, that are drinking to come on and give us their hot takes while we're there recording. Ooh, that would be sweet. Um, just kind of to transition a little bit, we do have some big-time news for the podcast, uh, and specifically our Twitter page. If you haven't seen it yet, Freezing Cold Takes mentioned us in a tweet. Yeah. Big. Big, big. Literally in the middle of the Kevin Bowen interview, freezing cold takes, kind of threw some shade at us, but at the same time, like... Any type of you publicity know. you get from freezing cold takes, you take it. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, you're going to get negative publicity from the many time you get publicity. <laughs> I mean, the so. tweet has four likes on it already. So, yeah. I mean, if I, I don't want to overstate how important that is. You know but. who wears number four? Ooh. <laughs> Travis Best. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, speaking of Twitter, Hawk, you had put on... Twitter yesterday about the home run derby that whoever guessed the correct player and number of home runs right they got free tickets to uh, opening night of the Patriots game which you're obviously going to pay for because we didn't agree to it yep. Um, yep. so how did that go um, I didn't really follow it I, it went terribly honestly I threw it out there it was about to start I should have done it way earlier in the day or not at all I was just sitting there about to watch the home run derby and I thought I'm going to make this exciting maybe get some followers out of it do an old scam it didn't work really. I mean, there was like ten people that maybe replied, and uh, there was a, there was a winner. I forget his name currently, but I did message him. And but told he, him I'm wa- done he wasn't right though. He so wasn't right, but he was a, the closest. You got a pity win there. Yeah, pity win. But I in my head it was going to be closest already. Braden Dowler? That, yep, that's him. And uh, I just wanted I wanted to keep our integrity a little bit. When we say we're going to do something, we're going to do something. We don't want to start off on the bot. Bad foot with our fans, so yeah, had so, to own up to that one. Braden, I hope you enjoy the nosebleeds. Yes. <laughs> and kind of uh, speaking to a next major giveaway, um, we are going to be posting a autographed game-used shoe um, that was autographed by a true NBA All-Star. Um, we re- I received this said shoe. Actually, there's two shoes. I have the other shoe, but I am not giving mine up. So, so I am I am going to be giving up this shoe of a former Pacer All Star, game used, signed, um, and we are going to be giving those away or giving that away as soon as we get 2,000 retweets and 2,000 followers. So that's gonna that's a major goal for us is to get to that two thousand mark because um, we've honestly we've been uh, talking to Twitter verified trying to get that blue check mark so they say uh, two thousand and they told us to take a hike yeah know? they told us to take a hike so we got to get to two thousand before we are taken seriously and uh, that's what we're going speaking for. of giveaways also a little mini giveaway we did we have the posters the Victor Ladipo ones the winner will be announced live on Twitter we're gonna go live. And announce the two winners uh, at the Coterie Wednesday night. So make sure you're checking out on that as well. Tonight, which would kind of, right? Yeah, I say Wednesday because we're recording it tonight. And, you know, maybe the people get lucky like and I'll post this podcast tonight. Who knows? Ooh. Yeah. So mm, big things happening. So, Home Run Derby, a bunch of giveaways. I mean, we're just <laughs> literally, I mean, my wife is going to kill me. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's truly a good thing we're filthy rich. 
Like, I think that's what this comes down to. So but, luckily for me, I'm the most eligible bachelor on the podcast. So. Yeah. We'll have to market that sometime. We'll give away like a date with you at the Pacers game or something. Ooh. So. Ooh I'm be down for that. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. I'd hate to take a nice pretty lady out to a Pacers game. I'd just hate it. Yeah. Show her a good time. Yeah. We'll maybe some, you know, Go some to Kilroy. Get some Kilroy's. Yeah. 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 Drinks. Yeah. We're definitely yeah. going to have to do that yeah. later in the upcoming months when in, I mean, it's starting to die down, die yeah. down news-wise, but yeah. definitely in August, it's going to yeah. be boring. Yeah, this August is going to be a total grind for the podcast. It's going to be fight or flight for That's us. That's going to make or break our podcast <laughs> yeah. those shows. Like, we're, like, saving content just just in yeah. case it, it pops up later. Yeah. You know, and so. also, I am going to plug this. We do have the uh, – we're doing an all-time Pacers draft with the Pacers Pride podcast. Ooh, the PPP. They have agreed, and so there's two of those guys. They're going to come on with us, and we're going to do a live mock draft of – Former 50 former Pacers players. So each of us is going to pick 10, or excuse me, five starters and five reserves. And then you guys will vote on who has the best team. Loser has to do, you know, 10 push ups. Something stupid. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I think I, yeah, the giveaways, I love it. I love interacting with you guys on a daily basis. We do have some people that interact with us more so than others, but I, I've been, we've been going at this now for, I believe, three weeks. More than that, it's been about a month. About, okay, about a month. Sorry, like a couple extra days past three weeks. It's like the week before um, the draft. Yeah, and so we've just been hitting it hard. We're almost 700 followers already. We're growing daily um, and getting some very positive feedback on iTunes. So it, things are looking up. So we're, as long as things are looking up, we're going to keep giving things away, I think. Yeah. Yep. Only way to get followers around here, so <laughs> got to do it. Yep. Even if they're Twitter bots, we'll take them. Yeah. Twitter yeah, bots, well. if you're out there, make sure you follow. Yeah, because <laughs> guess what? Twitter went through and purged like people's fake, you know, followers. We didn't lose a follower. That's true. Ooh, Kevin Bowen lost like followers. 200. We lost nobody. Yes. I mean, we do lose followers every day just because we're <laughs> constantly pestering and saying stupid mm-hmm. stuff, and people get annoyed with us on their timeline and the giveaways. They probably don't like those either. So. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So uh, that will wrap up this episode. Uh, once again, thank you to Kevin for coming on our first official guest here on the podcast. We actually have a couple more interviews lined up. Uh, we had that initial one that we talked about. We'll get in more depth about that one later on. Yeah. Someone's going down. Yeah. Someone is getting trash. But we we did not want to trash this person on Kevin Bowen's interview podcast so yeah so we actually have some more interviews lined up with some uh people that you will probably recognize some tall guys some tall guys so we're working out the kinks on that but uh, hopefully we can get that uploaded here in the next couple of weeks so thanks for tuning in episode six of the born ready to pod podcast we will see you uh hopefully at the coterie uh tonight uh here at eight o'clock p.m we'll be recording our free agency wrap-up show there and uh Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you later. See ya. Peace outie.